Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 247 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. It's my birthday! Five years ago, on February the 25th, I published my very first podcast. Since then, we've covered all manner of topics and I've offered up tips and techniques to hopefully help you get the maximum amount of enjoyment out of your bees. Stay tuned as we head into the new beekeeping season and look forward to all that this year might throw at us. Beekeeping Short and Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. Hi, everyone. I hope you're all well. Welcome back to the podcast. It's been an interesting week. I've started a late winter round of checks, not inspections, remember, just hefting, adding a little fondant and pollen where necessary, and continuing to get ready for the new season. As I mentioned in the intro, it's exactly five years ago to the day that I started my podcast. Quite unbelievable, really. I'm very grateful to you all for listening and for the mostly kind feedback that you've given me over the years. It's always encouraging to hear how something I've discussed or suggested has helped in a way a particular beekeeper has managed his or her bees, and in doing so, improved either the health of the bees or increased the honey yield or even both of those things or sometimes helped to prevent the loss of a swarm. I'm hoping that I can continue to help beekeepers new and old over the next five years. Who knows? There's always lots to discuss and share and together we might just learn something new as each season progresses. So with the birthday cake sitting beside me waiting to be eaten, honey cake of course, I'll get on with the rest of this podcast. First up is the weather as usual. It's very much been up and down. Uh, Certainly right now it's a little bit up and down. Not a surprise there. We've had some cracking warm spells for the time of year, upwards of 12 to 15 degrees Celsius, but also some days barely getting above 6, 7 or 8 degrees Celsius. Now these lower temperatures are closer to the norm here for the time of the year and I know around the globe some of you are trying to spot your hives buried beneath drifts of snow and ice right now. When we get these kind of conditions here, and we do occasionally see snowfall here in Norfolk in the UK, I remind beekeepers not to dig the hives out of the snow, but rather just clear the entrances of snow and ice so the bees can get in and out. The snow acts as a kind of additional protection against the cold winds, so do leave it as it is for now because it's going to help the bees. Uh, No such challenges here in Norfolk at the moment, I have to say, Um, but it is very dry once more. We have had some showers drifting across, but the heavier persistent rainfall always seems to drift in across the Atlantic, hits the Irish coast and uh, Wales, reaches inland into England from the west, but fizzles out before it reaches East Anglia. If it remains dry, it's likely to be another difficult spring for farmers planting their spring crops. And although it's a long way off, I'm already thinking about the summer borage crop. As I say, it's a long way off and weather patterns could change dramatically, giving us a wet summer. But whatever way the weather gods swing, it does look like we're in for more severe and extreme types of weather. For beekeepers, 
it means being able to react to these changes and challenges as they present themselves. And that could mean providing water for colonies in drought situations or feeding fondant in very wet conditions where the bees are unable to get out and forage. Late winter and early spring are always so changeable. One day you're thinking the season has started and wondering whether to carry out the first inspections and the very next day it's snowing. It's all part of the fun of our new beekeeping season of course and an obvious challenge to new beekeepers. But as I said last week don't open beehives too early or they may suffer from chilled brood as you rob them of all of the hard-earned warmth that they've generated for themselves. It seems a lot of beekeepers are looking at having had a successful overwintering period here in the UK and by that I mean they seem to have reported very few winter losses so far. I managed to get a really good idea of the spread of this feeling by chatting to lots of beekeepers on Saturday at the very first The Beekeeping Show held at the Telford International Centre here in the UK. I had wanted to drive over to Telford the night before. It's quite a distance for a one-day trip for us from Norwich, but I had a couple of prior meetings arranged, so had to make the journey on the Saturday morning. The good news is that Steph was able to come along, having secured some parental assistance with looking after her new puppy called Marley. It was a three and a half hour drive though, the usual road works and necessary leg stretch breaks included. The first thing I would say is that if you're going to one of these events, get there early. The car park was pretty overloaded by the time we got there and we could already see beekeepers heading back to their vehicles with boxes of beekeeping equipment purchased at the show. I'd already pre-booked tickets online for the event and with the aid of modern technology I was able to present our tickets on my phone and get the necessary wristbands. One benefit of arriving slightly later was the total absence of any queues to get in. There was no waiting and we simply strolled into the main hall. For any new beekeeper, it must be like walking into a sweet shop as a child. So many exciting stands with the promise of new and oh-so-useful bits of equipment to get your hands on. It was gratifying to see all of the regular suppliers there and supporting this new beekeeping trade show. We've had a number of beekeeping shows get started, develop, uh, but then kind of wane. Uh, and this has happened over the past few years. So it will be great to see if this event can gather some momentum and become a regular feature in the UK's beekeeping calendar. One notable absence was Maysmore Apiaries. They have previously had some very large stands selling lots of hive parts, frames and other equipment, but they weren't here sadly. The obvious other missing supplier was Simon the beekeeper who sadly stops trading in March and the team there will be sadly missed. One of the pieces of kit I was particularly looking out for was a pollen cleaner. When you collect pollen from your bees, you usually end up with quite a lot of other debris, and this needs to be cleaned out if you're going to market it for sale for human consumption. Unfortunately, it appeared that this piece of equipment was a little too niche for any of the manufacturers to bring along. It did, however, give me an opportunity to wander around the show looking at all of the other beekeeping equipment during my search for the pollen cleaner. The two largest stands there were Thorn Beehives and the Lyson Abello stands. 
Set at either end of the hall, they were by far the largest selection of equipment and had some very shiny, tempting equipment on their stands. Extractors, wax melters, creamers and a host of other very impressive shiny equipment. Together with Swenty, Carl Fritz and Thomas Apiculture, there was enough honey equipment in the room to sink a battleship, I would suspect. Interspersed between these larger suppliers, juggernauts if you will, were a myriad of smaller but equally important suppliers, selling everything and anything you could possibly need for your beekeeping. From bees and queens, nuke boxes, my good friends from BS Honeybees were there selling their very popular two-in-one nucleus boxes. Also, there were suppliers of treatments, books, bee suits, mead, and interestingly, some concrete hives. I didn't actually get time to stop and check them out, but from a distance, they looked like they would need a crane to move them. Such was their size and apparent weight. I'm sure that wasn't the case, but it was just the impression and obvious connection in my brain that said, giant hives made of concrete, they must weigh an awful lot. I'm sure that wasn't the case, but I would need to get some more information just to be able to confirm it. I was very grateful for the Bee Farmers Association stand as it had some seats and free coffee. A nice touch there. It gave me an opportunity also to sit and chat with a few fellow bee farmers and generally discuss how the winter was panning out for them. This is where my thoughts on it being a reasonably favourable winter for us all comes from. No one was reporting any significant losses that I spoke to. Probably the best part of the day was the opportunity to say hello to some very special people. You guys. Some of you introduced yourselves as patrons and it was lovely to say hello and chat with you. Maybe next year we can organise a stand for patrons to come along, have a coffee and a chat in relative comfort. And it might be an opportunity for you all to network together and chat about your beekeeping. I'll have a look into it. There was an area set aside for speakers. I think this was probably the one thing that I would suggest constructively that the organisers might change for next time, if indeed there is going to be a next time. As someone who struggles with his hearing in crowded, noisy areas, I found it really difficult to listen to speakers and also chat with people near the speaker zone because of all of that ambient noise. If there wasn't a separate room available, then maybe an indoor marquee or something similar to help muffle the sound from the outside of the speaker area would be a worthwhile investment. I'm not being negative, just trying to suggest a solution for those of us who would like to have listened to a couple of speakers, but just found it all too confusing from a noise level perspective. Otherwise, I really hope it's going to become a permanent fixture on the UK's beekeeping calendar. It's at a great time of year, and if they could move it a little closer to East Anglia, that would be perfect. Changing the subject back to our local beekeeping, my plans have changed slightly for the coming season. I've mentioned before that you need to be flexible with your beekeeping plans and be prepared to fit in with your local conditions. Well, one of our borage farmers is cutting back hard on his acreage this year, and that has an impact on what we're likely to do. As you know, we're now left with just a few non-Langstroth-type hives, and those should be leaving us in the very near future. That will mean we have just the Langstroth hives to contend with, and in amongst all that, we have a total of over 125 Technoset-type hives. Most of our colonies now have queens that are 
one or two years old and some of these are likely to be replaced as we move forward and we have obviously got pre-booked stock ready to come to us as and when that's available. Just thinking back to our trip to the beekeeping show, one of the stands was that of Northumberland Honey and it's Luke and Susie who supply me with their British bred queens. I was talking to Luke in between him selling his mead and I wanted to get his thoughts on how he thought his queens would perform as second generation queens. So that's the first offspring of the mated queens that I'd bought from him. I'm hoping to develop some splits this spring, hence talking about the techno set hives, and that will involve creating a second colony from an established one that we already have, allow that queenless colony to produce its own queen, and it's the traits of that colony that I'm interested in. In the past, what I found is that generally, second generation queens seem to be okay as far as their traits go, particularly being calm, but it's the granddaughter of the original queen that seems to get a little bit nasty. I just wanted to see if Luke had any thoughts on this, but he wasn't convinced that there would be any correlation between the daughter queens being calm and the granddaughter queens being a little feisty. It's going to be a really interesting project, and one I hope to share with you all as we progress into the new season and get some serious queen rearing completed. As you know by now, it's all about the drones that manage to mate with those virgin queens. That's where the genetic magic happens. So we should probably flood the apiaries with drones from a few selected colonies to try to get the probability of that genetic mix we want stacked more in our favour. We'll have to wait and see. That drone brood frame will also serve as a mechanical varroa removal tool once we're finished queen rearing, so it'll be doubly useful. Finally, I wanted to mention Busy Bee Cosmetics, just in case you weren't able to get to the beekeeping show. Kevin and Julie Thorne are the masterminds behind the business, and it's something worth checking out if you're in the UK and doing a few farmers markets or local events selling your honey. Basically, Julie has taken out all of the hard work in making things like hand creams, lip balms, wedding favours, wax melts. I mean, the list is huge. For most beekeepers, being able to produce just a lip balm, or rather a legally licensed lip balm, is more than enough of a challenge. But what Julie and Kevin have done is take away all of the hassle and produce all of this certified product from the hive and are selling it directly to beekeepers at a wholesale price as something called a white label product. This means, in a very simplified way, you can brand it as your own product and sell it on your store, having all of the legal compliance sorted. And to be honest, all of the work and the grief already sorted too. I'll pop a link in the podcast notes for you to check it out. But for anyone looking to expand the range of products they have on their stand, it's a great way to build your sales. If you do find it an attractive proposition, do let them know that I pointed you in their direction. They've been really helpful with a couple of my own projects that I've been developing, and it's always nice to give some reciprocal support. Well, that's me done for this week. I'll catch up with you all again next time. But in the meantime, don't forget to check out my website, www.norfolk-honey.co.uk, and for my latest videos and podcasts with more updates, tips and techniques, it's the same Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward slash Norfolk Honey. And remember, I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was beekeeping, short and sweet.